Pastor Ray Bentley shows us how to put our faith to work at times when our faith needs to work. What do we do in the darkest hours of our lives? What do we do when something hits you from the side out of your peripheral vision? What do you do? Jesus said, pray. You cry out and persistently seek the Lord because there is no other hope. Spread the news of His people coming down before the King. Lift your voice. Jesus is coming. Join the song. Sing along. Let it ring. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha bringing the message of Christ soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Oftentimes, God exalts the humble and humbles the arrogant. If we approach the Lord admitting our own weakness and asking for His help, we can count on the fact that He's right there with us. Today, as Pastor Ray continues our studies in the Gospel of Luke, we'll learn how to live a lifestyle of humility. Luke chapter 18, and uh, we saw how that Jesus told the story of this widow and her persistence, that she was willing to just go and, and, and to ask again and again and again uh, for the Lord's grace and for the Lord's help. I, I wanted to look at just the, uh, the last verse of that story where Jesus is talking about the importance of persistent prayer. He says in verse eight, I tell you, that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Uh, Jesus was giving this parable of, of praying and praying persistently to the disciples right after he has been talking about the coming, his second coming. He is describing that the days surrounding the second coming of the Lord will be tumultuous days. They will be days of trial. They will be days of tribulation. They, in fact, they will be days such as the world has not known since the beginning of human history. And so he is really, I believe, speaking to us. I believe that we are those who are alive and who will see the return of Jesus Christ and bring his kingdom from heaven to the earth. Amen? Amen. He's coming back and he's coming back soon. Well, what is the word of the Lord to us in these days? And I believe that it is to pray. Um, it is to seek the Lord. It is to call upon his name. And uh, the, the concern that Jesus has is that with the trials and tribulations, uh, that will people continue to have faith at all? Will they believe in him? One of the things that happened as a result of the, of the Holocaust is that there were many uh, people who lost their faith because of the Holocaust. They lost their faith in God. How can there be a God if the Holocaust happened? Where was God? And there was a generation of, of Jews, but there were others who used that as an excuse to say, I, there can't be a God. And even sometimes being angry at the very God they said could not exist, saying, yes, I know that you probably do exist, but I'm so angry that you let this happen uh, that I choose not to believe in you, or at the very least not to have a relationship with you. 
These are the kinds of trials and troubles and tribulations and, and that, that Jesus said are going to be during the days leading up to that final period called the time of Jacob's trouble, the day of the Lord, 42 months that are determined uh, for Israel and for the world and tribulation that flows into great tribulation. And as the world is, is literally shaken to the core so that everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that only those things that cannot be shaken will remain. Jesus is wondering, will the Son of Man find faith on the earth? I want to encourage you that uh, with things that have shaken you, things that have challenged you, challenged your belief and trust in a God as a loving and a heavenly Father, and we will all be tested. We will all be tried. What do we do in the darkest hours of our lives? What do we do when things come like out of the blue, when some curveball, something hits you from the side out of your peripheral vision? And, and what do you do? What do you do? Jesus said, pray. You cling to the Lord. You call upon his name. You cry, you humble yourself, you cry out and persistently seek the Lord because there is no other hope. Man, I don't know if you've noticed, but mankind doesn't have the answers. How many would agree with that? Political ideologies, I mean, have we not tried everything? And that hasn't worked. And even now within our own great country, and though you know, I, am, I am glad to be and thankful to be a citizen of the United States of America, I think that even in my own lifetime, I have seen the drawbacks and the weaknesses even of democracy, which is the best for a fallen world probably to have system of checks and balances. <laughs> but even that system ultimately can be broken and can at some point fail. So the ultimate answer, and that's, that's where I think the Lord is speaking to those who are listening to the voice of the Spirit. He's beginning to speak about the kingdom of God. There is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. There is a kingdom that shall rule and reign and last and endure forever and ever and ever. We're dual citizens. And I am glad to have and to be a citizen of the United States of America. And I pray God's blessing upon our nation, upon our president, upon our cabinet, upon our uh, Congress and senators and all the rest with all the problems and trials that we have. May God give them grace, wisdom, and mercy. Amen? In Jesus' name. But I believe that the world would be brought to a place where even the best and the brightest would start running out of ideas. And, and it would just not work anymore. And the sad thing is that that tends to, to lead its, and lend itself as the world begins to uh, fracture and fall apart, lends itself to a, an entire uh, global approach to everything. And that ultimately we know leads, even with the best of intentions from a human perspective, to a spirit of antichrist that doesn't really wanna do it the Lord's way. The world's best answer for peace today is to cut Israel in half and inside of that cut Jerusalem in half, and really inside of that cut the Temple Mount in half. That's their answer, and they know that it, it's like oil and water, it won't really hold together, so you'll have to bring international peacekeeping troops to force it together, but because it doesn't really fit together, it falls apart. That's what the Bible prophets, that's what Jesus said. There'll be a peace 
but it won't be a real peace. It won't be a lasting peace. A seven-year peace is made. It's broken in the middle of it. And when the world has been trying to hammer in their own wisdom and in their own strength a peace, it literally, when it falls apart, leads to Armageddon. Uh, these are frightening things. So what in the midst of that does Jesus say? Pray, seek me, call upon my name, repent of all of your sins. God is seeking to bring his kingdom. That means he's bringing his glory from heaven to the earth. Jesus is warning it's going to be trouble and tribulation. Get there. Here's what I want my sons and daughters in the future to know. Pray like that widow. Pray tenaciously. Pray with passion. Pray with persistence. Pray with your heart, with your mind, with your soul, with your strength. Pray with everything you've got. And my glory will come and my kingdom will come. And my will shall be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? All right. Now let's go on to uh, verses 9 uh, through 14 here in Luke chapter 18. It says in verse 9, Also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. He said, Now two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I possess, and the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, would beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus says, this man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Here's Jesus. He's just talked about the end times. He's talked about his coming kingdom. He tells a parable about prayer. He gets done telling the parable about the importance of persistent prayer. And now he gives another story about two who were praying in the temple. It was probably real people that he had observed. One was a religious man, a Pharisee, was very prideful and Jesus said, does not get his prayer heard or answered by God. The other is a tax collector, a publican, a sinner. Jesus said this man was able to walk away. God heard his prayer and answered it. So after the exhortation that you need to pray so that the kingdom will come to you, and to yours and to those that you love, he now says, it's not only important that you pray, but when you pray, pray the right way. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. At Maranatha Radio, we've received so many cards, emails, and social media messages expressing appreciation for Pastor Ray's teaching. I thank God for Pastor Ray and his family and the ministry of Maranatha. A big thank you to the Bentley family for sharing Pastor Ray with us for these many years. Although we're sad that he's gone, we know we'll see him again, and we pray for the Bentley family that they would be comforted by the unfathomable peace that can come only through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's so encouraging to hear how Pastor Ray's teachings have touched so many lives through the years. If you have a message to share, you can email us, ray at raybentley.com or post a comment online at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. So how many of you, when you pray to God, 
actually want to have answers to your prayers. You want God to hear them. Okay. So this is where we need to listen and pay attention. I want you to notice uh, and observe three attributes of false prayer. These are prayers that are, are absolutely not going to receive an answer. These are prayers that God doesn't want, like, or listen to, or respond to. Verses 11 and 12. Let's look at verses 11 and 12 again. The Pharisee, Jesus said, stood and prayed thus with himself. Oh, that says a lot. He was praying with himself. That's about as far as his prayers went. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Wow. All right, the first thing that you notice about the prayer that God doesn't like or listen to is it is I focused. In these two verses, verses 11 and 12, he uses the personal pronoun I five times. I do this and I do that and I do this and I do that and I am this. He is totally focused on I. I, yay, yay, yay. This is not what prayer is all about. His, his idea of prayer was, Lord, it's all about me. Instead of truly approaching God. Jesus even says that he, he stood there and prayed thus with himself. In other words, Jesus was basically saying he was having a conversation with himself. He was talking to himself. He wasn't even really talking to God. Let me ask you a question and, and be honest with me. Have you ever ha been with someone who's talking to you, but you get the feeling they're not really talking to you because they never look at you, they never respond to you, they never stop to see if you might have something to say or respond to. They just go on and, and you feel like even if I wasn't here, they'd be totally happy. Have you ever ran into anybody like that? You know what they're doing? They're having a conversation with themselves. You know, it's like, man, just let me take a picture and leave it here and talk to that. I want to go do other things. Well, God sometimes feels the same way. There are people who are talking to themselves, pretending to pray and have a relationship with God. So the first thing about false prayer is it's all about me. No, it's not all about you. It's about the Lord. Number two, his real audience was not God, but men. He prayed loud enough so that all those who were there in the temple court could hear him. And of course, why would he want them to hear him? Because he's telling God what a great guy he is. I do this and I do that and I fast and I pray and I tithe and, and I sacrifice and I, 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 I. He prayed loud enough for others to hear him. Beware of those who talk a spiritual lingo but their desire is only to draw attention to themselves. Prayer is about drawing our attention to God. It's about seeking him. The third thing that this guy did wrong, and this was the worst thing of all, comparing ourselves with others. This is the classic problem with religion, which is not Christianity. And this is what, by the way, religion is what the world despises more than just about anything, it makes the world sick to their stomach. May I add that religion can make God in heaven sick to his stomach. Jesus wrote a letter to the church of Laodicea and he goes, man, I wish you were hot 
passionate or cold. You know, the idea being, if you're, you know, for God, be passionate for God and, and for the world and sin, even passionate that way, it's easier for God to deal with somebody that comes to the end of themselves one way or another. But in that you are lukewarm, you nauseate me and I will spew you out of my mouth. That is religion. Religion is about compromise. Religion, and here's what then religion becomes. Religion becomes about comparing our little group with everybody else. And, and pointing out those that we are better than them. The Bible says that we are not to compare ourselves one to another. In a relationship with God and in prayer, there's only one person that I or you are to compare ourselves to, and that's Jesus Christ. If, we compare, if I compare myself to Jesus Christ, do I want to boast about anything? No. I have nothing to boast about. I have nothing even to say, except God have mercy upon me, I am a sinner. Now, let's look at the prayer of the righteous, verses 13 and 14. And by the way, the prayer of the righteous is the prayer of the big sinner. It says in the tax collector, standing afar off. So he didn't even come near to the temple. He's standing way off. Would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven. So his head's bowed down and beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Several things that we note about this man's prayer. Number one, his humility, standing afar off. He stood at a distance. Now we know in the New Testament, it tells us we can enter in before the throne of God with boldness. But that doesn't mean we, with boldly we go in and brag about how righteous we are. We come in, yes, we come in close, we come in near. This man didn't know. But through Jesus Christ, we have been brought to the very throne of God and, and our righteousness is not our own. It's a gift from Jesus Christ. So when you enter before the presence of God, humble yourself, bow your head and, and say, Lord, thank you, have mercy upon me. The second thing that he did is he confessed his sins. The Pharisee used his prayer to proclaim all of his virtues and all of his good things. This man used his prayer to confess his sins. Now, Luke chapter 18, verse 13, and I, I put this in your notes, NASB, that means the New American Standard Version of the Bible, is, says that he said this, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Not a sinner, but the sinner. In other words, not a sinner, but I am the sinner of all time. I am everything people say I am. And if people wanted to come up and tell me you've done this and you've done that, I would say yes, and there's some you've left out. I can add more. I am worse. Paul the Apostle said, I am the chief of sinners. I think that in, in a way, what the Lord desires each of us to say is that from my own person, because I've only experienced my own life and my own sins, from my view, I am the worst sinner on planet Earth. God wants all of us to have that same reality about ourselves. You can't know anybody else's sins. You've only known and experienced your own sins. But whatever sins you've experienced ought to be enough to say, I am the chief of sinners. If we're going to get into a fight and argument about anything, we ought to be arguing, no, I'm, I was worse. No, I am worse than you. Now, I'm not talking about getting up and everybody dragging out their past lives and glorifying sin. I'm just saying, as far as acknowledging 
nobody should, should be able to out-argue you to what a great sinner uh, that you are and that I am. Amen? How many would agree you're the worst? I'm the worst. I'm the chief. Okay. You want to argue about it? We'll argue about it after service. But we're, I am the worst. When this man said, have mercy upon me, O God. You know what's interesting about that? That is the very first line of Psalm 51. That is the prayer of repentance David prayed after he had committed adultery and after he had murdered, essentially, Uriah. It is the teaching psalm of how to repent and be, and and David uh, repents and then sings about the forgiveness that he finally experienced. You know what then is amazing about this? The Pharisee who spent his life studying the scriptures when he prayed never quoted scripture. All he talked about was himself. The publican, tax collecting, pagan sinner who admitted it is the only one who actually quoted the word of God. Who knows when he had read it, studied it, or it had been planted into his heart, but he brought God's word back to him in prayer. And by the way, any scripture that you have, bring those words and promises before God. So he confessed his sins. And finally, he was declared righteous. Jesus says in verse 14, he says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. And by the way, the word justified means declared righteous because of what Jesus has done for us. The Pharisee went away from his prayer and the Pharisee walked away feeling good, with confidence, feeling great about himself. But Jesus said he actually left the temple of God unaccepted unjustified and still under God's wrath and judgment. But this publican who had lied and stolen and cheated and made money off of other people and been a traitor to his people as a tax collector and gathering it for Rome was a pariah among the Jewish community, truly repented, and he threw himself upon the mercy of God. He left the temple Justified, which means that in heaven, God declared him righteous. And this is the beautiful truth of the New Testament. When you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you and I are declared, that means proclaim righteous by name through our faith in Jesus Christ. Not by our good deeds, not by our abilities. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 24 Let's read that scripture from your notes. Let's read it out loud together. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Oh man, we're, we're declared righteous by Jesus Christ and what he has done. Glory, hallelujah. Great encouragement today about our standing before God. Pastor Ray Bentley leading our studies in the Gospel of Luke here on Maranatha Radio. Now today's study is titled, The Beauty of Humility. If you missed any part of the presentation, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. We hope you'll stop by our site today. 
When you're there, you can leave a few words in tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And under media, you'll notice three words, watch, radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click about and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email, free of charge. And then after 30 years on the radio and the passing of Pastor Ray Bentley in early 2022, we're approaching the end of the Maranatha radio program. We'd like to thank you, our dedicated listeners, who've joined us through the years as we've journeyed with Pastor Ray through the Bible. We'll be continuing the broadcast through the remainder of 2023, but we're excited to share that we'll have a dedicated online location to access all of Pastor Ray's content, including video, audio sermons, books, and more. Please visit raybentley.com to follow along with us but we hope you'll stay with us here on the radio through the end of the year. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.